right. Let's get this thing cracking. Let's get it rolling. We are here in the beautiful city of undisclosed location. JK, we're in the Bay Area. You guys already know. More specifically, we're in the 650. We in the peninsula. We in Redwood City, California, home of the... Uh, well, I don't know. I kind of have multiple studios now at this point, but this is <laughs> Studio 123 in Redwood City. So the Wave Studio, the extension of the Wave Studio. I'm here as always with my legendary co-host, the GOAT. How are you doing this week, my fine sir? Oh, very, very good, Samuel. Thank you for the opportunity that we have. We really thank God for this beautiful day. It's so beautiful outside. And the 650 area. So this studio number what? Five? Three? Well, technically, this would be... I call this one... Well, with my partner, my business partner for Lighthouse Records, we have the vision to eventually have multiple studios scattered throughout the Bay Area. But eventually, technically, this would be considered studio one, two, three. Okay. And... The main studio where I do my mixing and mastering, that's Studio A. It's Studio A. Studio okay. A. This is Studio 123 because of the legacy that it has. It's some of the first projects that we tracked were in this space, specifically in some of the closets that are here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. legendary. This this place, eventually we're not this place won't exist, right? You know. There's always bigger and better things, yes, so yes. it'll be more of a memory memory studio. That's why it's Studio One Two Three, so it'll hold its iconicness in its name, for sure. So, so the closets, pretty much, that's where you're. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Anybody who produces music, you guys know, you know, closets. The reason why is because of acoustics. Okay. Yeah, you want to have a space that's very dead, very like neutral. So oftentimes you can measure that by simply going into a room and clapping. And if you hear the reverberance of the clap or some sort of reverb or an echo, then you know, hey, though we have, um, there's resonance in the room. Specifically, the physics concept that can be applied there is known as the angle of first reflection for all <laughs> you nerds out there. The, that's that college study coming in. But yeah, you can measure that and you can track that. So when you're in a closet, you don't get any of those reflections or if they exist they're very minimized to where they don't come into the microphone where you're recording because you might have a bunch of clothes in the closet that's that was that was i was going to say the the clothes have to do a lot for the acoustic it's basically like a sound like a sound booth because at the end of the day at the end of the day when you're dealing in my opinion i argue that acoustics are almost as important as you know microphones yes plugins, compressors, preamps. The reason why is because you can achieve so much with good acoustics. Mm-hmm. Some of the most legendary, most iconic artists and recording engineers have gotten results with one or two mic approaches. For example, like very, very, there's one of my favorite drummers, Yusuf Days. He's very modern. He's like a modern drummer, but his approach is completely one mic over his shoulder. Oh, okay. He's a drummer. So he's able to capture these Extreme. If anyone knows about Yusuf Days, you know how high quality his drums and how they sound. It's all one mic. Just one microphone? One mic. Wow. What matters there is Mm. the room he's in. He's in the studio. His room is properly treated. His drums are like, you know, in a nice position. There's there's a rug under him. Like he has everything dialed in with the acoustics and with the way his drums are tuned. 
which affect the acoustics at the end of the day. I wonder what type of microphone is that? Yeah, well, that, that's a cheat code, of course. He's using like a very expensive, a tube microphone is the category of microphone that he's using. What we're using here are some beautiful Sennheiser E835s. These are dynamic microphones. Shout out those of you who have been appreciating the pot, the podcast, the quality. We'll put you guys on. Give us the cheat. We'll give you guys the cheat codes. So this is a Sennheiser E835, which is a dynamic microphone. No phantom power required. That's right. Yeah. Right. Now condenser microphones, like what you have over there, this Podgo. Well, the Podgo is kind of like a hybrid because it's technically dynamic in its pickup pattern. Because what I mean by dynamic condenser, I'm referring to the type of microphone, but more importantly, how that microphone captures sound. A dynamic microphone is designed to have, to withstand like really loud sources, which is why you don't need phantom power to power it. It's a more robust, you can think of it. But in that same, the fact that it's built to withstand, it's not that good for picking up certain details or the most, it's not the most crispy or precise one as opposed to a condenser microphone is a lot more delicate in nature, requires this sort of voltage to power it, which is known as phantom power. Um, but it's a lot more specific. Whereas with him, what he's using is none of the two. He doesn't oh. use a di- well. It's kind of a, ver- a form of a condenser. A but condenser. It's, it's, I was going to say that. If- but it's called a specific one. It's a tube condenser microphone. And so, what a tube condenser microphone? You can think of it. It looks th- the same as a normal microphone would. However, it has a specific cable that has to run into a tube preamplifier. I was going to ask you about that because when you're referring to tube, I kind of remember our television long time yeah, ago. that's that, a good way that, to think about it. That's kind of like they, uh, we have the big television, mm-hmm. the big box. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about almost 40 years ago and um, there is a big tubes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, in the, in the box. Have you seen um, guitar amplifiers? Yes. You yeah. see how big they are and like, yeah. okay, so essentially... If for a guitarist who like like to have a certain specific type of tone, they crave these th- or not they crave they want their amps to have tubes in them. And what is a tube? It's literally a physical glass tube. I know, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. So with, with the light, like a light bulb, it looks much. like a light bulb. Yeah. However, it doesn't dis- it doesn't give off any light. I know, yeah. And so what what that does is because again, a microphone, all it does is it re- takes a signal. And then it transmits it. So what the tube microphone, why? Why why is the tube microphone better? Because when you take your signal of audio and you run it through a tube, it saturates the audio with these things known as like harmonic distortion or harmonic coloring. And it gives it this flavor or like this kind of characteristic to the sound that is so rich. So it'll, for example, in this case, Yusuf Days can use a variety of different mics, but I've seen him use one of the most famous mics ever, which is the Telefunken C12. And that's a very famous tube microphone. And so, again, why use a tube over a normal condenser? Well, first and foremost, if you have the budget, of course, you're going to get one of those because those are like anywhere ranging from... eight to $10,000 a microphone. Wow. Yeah. They're very expensive. But- expensive. Any, for example, the number one mic used in hip-hop production for many years was the Sony C1000, C100, 
I think C100, C1000. I think it's C100. But that's been used. You could see Drake use that mic. I, I tried to teach you about Drake a couple of podcasts ago, but really big rapper, Dr. Dre, Dr. like Dre. really some of the biggest, biggest names in the game use these types of microphones, tube microphones. So that mic is a form of a tube mic. So it's it's like a type of tech, but that's kind of a little rabbit hole that we went into. I don't even know what, why why we started talking about mics. I don't know. That's kind of like, you know, I guess today the podcast is... We're just chatting. We're here chatting now. It's a little nice bit weather. of a different concept. Welcome to episode number 11. 11, 11, yes. Heck yeah. But what we're going to kind of do, this is going to be something a little bit different. This is our Q&A week. Our, we're kind of going to take a little bit more of a chilled, laid-back approach this week. I'm, I'm here no longer sipping Diet Coke this week, but I got my, <laughs> got my little energy drink, my caffeine to keep me awake. I don't know. You don't, you don't have anything. You might have to get up. You might hear him get up, get himself a coffee, make himself at home. But we're just chilling. We're going to have a conversation today just to kind of switch up the flow of our typical podcast. I know that we like to keep it into the waves. We like to get deep. But today we're going to get deep in some other areas, maybe not the more heavy theological areas, but we're definitely going to talk about just life, talk about fun stuff. In this case, we were talking about microphones, which... I, I could talk a lot about that, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good to learn. And especially uh, some of them uh, maybe want to start their own podcast. Heck yeah. Some want to start. That's uh, where we got to it. We were giving you yes, guys tips on yes. the podcast. Oh, yeah. So back to the gear <laughs> breakdown. So we got this Sennheiser E85 mics. We're using a couple. We really, I highly recommend investing in these types of mounts that have become super popular that you see on everybody's desks nowadays these what they call arms for your mic you know these boom arms the reason why is because if you have like a mic that's not in a stand and you're trying to hold it with your hand you're going to get a bunch of this you're going to get a bunch of handling noise and like when you're moving around and you're trying to fiddle it around like it's just not going to be the most consistent thing as opposed to putting it on a stand I'm here talking and there's no interruption. I could be here, I can be here, but it's easy to move around when there's especially in this case we have two people. How do you like these arms? Oh, I like it. I have my hands free, I in front of my computer. I just get close to the microphone and very good. Especially if you're self-producing the podcast like we are. <laughs> you know, we have our whole setup here. What okay, what else we have? Let's say yeah, let's mean, let's uncover let's, this mysterious production nah, podcast. Look, I'll I'll say it the way that one of the most influential podcasters out there says it. And I always talk to you about this guy, Joe Rogan. Oh yeah. <laughs> he has the number one podcast in the world, but he describes his approach as we really run what is known as like a ghost crew or a skeleton crew. And what does he mean by that? There's no one here. Yet, how are we producing this high-quality podcast? Self-produced. You produce it yourself. In Joe Rogan's case, he has one guy that helps him, and that's it. His name is Jamie. And Jamie even has a microphone on him, so he sometimes talks in the podcast. So he's kind of, it's just them two. Wow, really? And they're the number one podcast in the world. Wow, that's... So if they can do it, we can do it. And so that's kind of the same approach we take here. We got two mics. We're rocking our boom arms like we got. I love Sennheisers. You know, shout out Sennheiser if you guys want to sponsor us, if you guys want to send us mics. We love you. What's the difference between, like, let's say, this Sennheiser and the famous 
shirts. Well, it goes back to that description that I was giving earlier. You know, those, the shirts, the ones that you see on every single podcast, those are called Sure SM7Bs. And they're, again, kind of like this pod go. They're a hybrid. They're a dynamic condenser hybrid. Yes, yes. They're a little bit of both. They're dynamic in the sense that they can handle really loud, high SPL levels. SPL just stands for sound pressure level in case any of you guys are like, what are you saying? What is SPL? No, no, no. It's literally <laughs> just think about it in simple terms. How much loudness can a microphone handle? If something has a high SPL, it means it can have a high tolerance to withstand loud sound. Low SPL if you put it in front of a microphone amp, if you put it in front of someone who's yelling, it's going to ruin the microphone. That's all it means. So with the Shure SM7B, it's a condenser microphone, so it allows a little bit of much more, some people argue more clarity, more detail, more richness in the voice, like what I was saying. But me personally, I'm not a big fan of the 7B. You don't, you don't like sound? No, you I don't, don't like, like it. Sure. I don't, uh, no, I love Shure microphones, okay. especially specifically only in live settings for live sure is the best for re for recording no i argue no me personally just because like um when i was in college and when i had a little bit more uh opportunity or when i've been in studios that have access to gear you realize that there's so many other manufacturers out there that's right yeah that there are better alternatives They're good and that are in some case it maybe might be equal in price maybe sometimes less in price it just depends but through experimentation and through of course personal preference so me personally i love these microphones which are essentially you can if anybody is familiar with sm58s literally sure's most iconic microphone i was just a couple weeks ago at the John Mayer concert, he was using an SM58 oh, wow. wired. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is Sennheiser's take on that. $99, $100 microphone, very budget-friendly. So for anyone interested in starting your own podcast, you don't need to go and buy the most expensive microphone. You don't need to go buy a Telefunken. Like, like the, the sure yeah. that one. Like it's, it's almost like, what, $375, $400? SM70, yeah, the SM70 the very is $400. One. It, look, check this out. Another reason why I don't like the 7B. $400 first and foremost. So cool. Let's say price is not a factor. All right, whatever. But not only do you have to buy the mic, you need to buy a nice cable. That's a big, big, big recommendation. That <laughs> Obviously, you had a little bit of experience that with experience, that. A yes. couple, couple weeks ago, we, yes. we were struggling. And maybe some of you guys who have a little bit more of a fine-tuned ear might have heard it in some of the podcasts but i know i heard it in some instances there were occasionally these um like little ground noises that would come in and we tried everything we were like is it i'll get to what we're using to mix i tried doing a bunch of different monitoring options but it really ultimately boiled down to one very simple factor your cables so in my opinion, go and spend money on some nice cables as opposed to going and, you know, buying a $500 mic for let me explain the reason why. Because with the SM7B, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a nice mic. But if anyone who has ever used one knows that if you plug it in directly into a console, into yeah. a mixer, you turn on phantom power because it requires it yes. since it's a condenser, you need to crank your gain to a ridiculous level. Sometimes I've even had to crank it to plus 40, plus 45 dB in order, that's decibels, in order to even get a decent sounding signal. And yeah, it's nice, but then you're dealing with another level, another problem, which is when you increase the gain, 
you now introduce the noise, the noise factor yeah. of the microphone. It's inevitable. Every circuit, every electronic piece of equipment is going to have a noise level. So when you're cranking the gain to that to those really high levels, you're going to hear some of that, you know, noise come through. So what's the solution? You need to spend $150 to buy a cloud lifter. A cloud lifter. I have one of those. Yeah, you see I know. I see it. It's right here. It's right there. It's a blue one. These are sick. Don't get me wrong. These are sick and they're good. But again, you know what this is essentially emulating? Uh-huh. Tubes. Yes. It's yeah. what, what this does, as you can see, For obviously this is not a video podcast, but it has a microphone input and a microphone output. So now you don't only need one cable to use it you need two cables to run one microphone it's it's a mess that's why i argue the 7b it's good but it's not the best microphone at the end of the day you're spending a lot of money you're spending now up to maybe anywhere 700 because you need two mics a cloud lifter and the mic itself that's it yeah and honestly me personally the reason the only time you should be using a 7b is to record vocals Mm. singing it's great in that. Or also, um, I've used it on hi-hats. Okay. Like for drums. It's a good microphone for drums because it has that high SPL. So you could put it next to an, a loud source and not be afraid that it's going to get ruined because it has really good withstanding the SPL. So I've mic'd up like a hi-hat with the SM7B and it sounds great. Vocals, like for singers that are really rich, have like deep mid-range, I recommend it. But for a podcast... Come on. <laughs> but I have seen those microphones lately in some videos, like uh, music videos. Yes. It's, a lot gaining, of people are using it, They're gaining a lot it, of right? more popularity for vocals. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. a lot of um, singers like to get close to the mic. Uh-huh. And the 7B um, has a really good thing. <laughs> I'm spilling out so many sound concepts today, but there's this thing called the proximity effect, where if I get away from the mic, I... My sound starts to get weaker, 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 weaker. But as I approach the mic, this proximity effect starts to happen, right? The 7B is very good at controlling and neutralizing that, Mm. which is why it's very good for vocals. Again, as I mentioned, because the singer can breathe off the mic and it's good at rejecting that noise. Okay. Yeah. But the look is... (laughs) I don't like the look. You don't like the look? The big thing is kind of like... (laughs) Again, it's meant for the studio. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah, for podcasters, there's so many other alternatives. Get yourself some Sennheiser E835s if you want to sound like us. But again, we got the mics on the booms, running with the cables. Are the what kind of cables are these? These are Neutrik ended cables. So as long as you're getting anything with Neutrik, you're solid. Neutrik meaning like the termin- the end caps on the where they plug into the microphone and where they plug into the mixer. And in this case. For those of you who are gearheads or who know anything about podcasting, you've probably heard about the famous Rode, Rodecaster Pro. That's right, yes. The number one mixer on the market for podcasting. It was made specifically for podcasting. So if you've ever seen any YouTuber, any famous podcaster who is producing it themselves, they're using a Rodecaster. Now... Me personally, I disagree. I don't think it's the best mixer on the market. Again, I guess I'm just being the like like you don't need the roadcaster no, to produce a, a not podcast at all. if not you at know, all. if they wanna really kinda like say, Oh, I need to go and buy the roadcaster pro. No, we How um, much is the roadcaster? 
It's around uh, $600. So look at that. It's $600 for what are you getting? You're getting four inputs or actually you're getting a couple of inputs because no. you can plug in like an aux cable for whatever external audio sources you might have. You can connect to it Bluetooth, which I think is a super, super cool feature. And you can even connect via USB to link your audio from if, you know, you might have a computer or whatever. But uh, on board, honestly, I've been... In all of our production, we we ha we have it, so you know we're blessed enough and fortunate enough to have that. But I, I like the flexibility of it. I like that it gives you, you know, you have our faders here, so it feels like a console, especially if you're coming from a live sound world. Um, obviously, having the touchscreen up top is super super clutch. But it's funny because I'll be honest, and this is a let's take the mask off of the gear. You want to know the secrets of the trade? We're basically using the Rodecaster. For anyone who really knows, it's a glorified audio interface for us yes. at this point. Because we're not using any of the onboard processing. We're simply using it to listen to it with our headphones because the cool thing about it is that it has four headphone outputs. That I do like. It's unique in that it has four in, four out. That's a very unique feature for the price set, for the price. It's worth it because everyone gets individual control over their headphones. It's really cool. It's very flexible. But we're literally just using it to monitor, to monitor audio, to plug in our two headphones, which, again, if you're podcasting, have to have headphones on. Why? I'll tell you why. You wanna, do you know why people use headphones? Because they, they need to really listen the conversation. Yeah. Why else do you think? Um, to hear the clarity and your voice, the tune. Look at what me and you and I are doing right here. Whenever I talk, you can't cut me off. Because if, let's say you start talking right now while I'm talking. Try to talk over me. Let's just see what it sounds hey, like. The Roadcaster Pro is good. It's annoying. I literally hear you so loud in my brain that you're like, why? I should stop talking. It's not even a, you don't think about it. You just, your body does it. Like, I have to stop talking in order for you to talk. Mm. That's why the headphones are helpful. If we were to take off our headphones, we wouldn't know. Yeah. We'd just be talking because we'd hear ourselves. Like a regular room. conversation, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Like a regular conversation. So that's why we really recommend headphones. You can use a variety of different headphones. Don't make it complicated, but at least get yourself something decent. You know, you don't need to spend a crazy amount. A hundred bucks nowadays can get you really, really far. You can go on Amazon. I'm currently using... Maybe less, I think. Right? Less, yeah. I mean, let's say... The other say, day you were, you were telling yeah. me that we need to switch. I have a big headphone. Yeah, you're using some which are called over-ear. Yeah. These are kind of like studio headphones, some task cams, which are... I'm assuming you, they're really comfortable because of the little the pads, you know? Not bad, but Not after, bad. after a while, it's kind of like my head started like... Especially with my glasses, it's kind of like I feel yeah, kind of like, you know, weird. Maybe. And so, you know, for me personally, when I when we first started, I experimented with a couple of different headphones to see what was more comfortable for me. I was using uh, some Audio Technicas when I first started, the ATH M50s, which are the like everyone knows about the audio those Audio Technicas. If you've seen a studio, if you've seen anyone working in a studio, you've probably seen those headphones. But for me, I ended up switching to my in ears because um, these are the ones that I use when I play, like as a musician or singing, whatever. And these are super comfortable to me because they just go right in my ear and I can hear everything really, really well because the nature of what we're doing is dialogue. So it has enough clarity for me. I don't need bass. I don't need any of that. 
And this is really good because it's comfortable. I could rock and sit here for hours. Yeah, that, I can put that, my glasses on. It doesn't. That, that was me. I was gonna say that you feel comfortable after a long time. Like these are Shures two fifteens. Mm -hmm. These cost a hundred bucks. No bad on Amazon, right? You can even I recommend. There's a brand out there called KZ that I've experimented with. That I've tried KZs before. They're forty five dollars, mm. thirty bucks. You can get some really really cheap ones, and they sound fine. They get the job done. All I have is a little headphone extension. This shouldn't cost you too much. Plugged into the road. And I'm chilling. I'm comfortable. This is how we get it done yeah. for, for weeks. This is the, the setup that we've been rocking. Obviously, as I mentioned, the road is serving as our audio interface for this, the Roadcaster Pro. But we're not using any of its cool features. Just kind of a glorified audio interface and monitoring. But it's running into my computer, um, MacBook Pro running Ableton. Shout out Ableton for the win. <laughs> Anybody. So look, this is controversial, right? I myself, my title on paper or on my resume that I put is Avid Pro Tool Certified. But yet I'm here tracking in Ableton. What's going on, right? Well, the reality is because Pro Tools for projects... Unless you're in a pro studio where they have a complete rig that is equipped with whatever it may be, the latest version of Pro Tools HD, or maybe you have an Apogee running 32 in, 32 out, and you're working with a bunch of analog and outboard gear, compressors, EQs. Like, unless you're in that context, I argue that Pro Tools is slower. Like slower, I mean in terms of workflow. Like just the commands, unless obviously you know, for most of us who are experienced with Pro Tools, we learn the hotkeys and the commands. But even then, I feel like the hotkeys and the commands and the mapping in Ableton is faster, quicker. In addition to that, I personally love the speed of Ableton. How long do you think somebody will learn how to use Ableton? Just like at the basic is you know instead of uh, Pro Tools, it's. I argue the learning curve is a lot lower. It's easier to learn, harder to master. Pro Tools is kind of like a straight line because it's harder to learn. Like at the beginning, it's very, not hard, but it's a little bit not as intuitive to do very simple things like what we're doing here, tracking two microphones, having some audio. Like to do all of that and produce it in Pro Tools, sure, go ahead and do it. But it's just... I feel it's more cumbersome, whereas here in Ableton, like with the workflow that it has, it's so much quicker to chop things up, to split them up, to get really podcasts edited and quick on the go. Takes me now, since I've been using it for a while, minutes to get the podcast edited and uploaded once everything is in its proper setup, of course. So that's why I argue for on-the-go solutions, like in this case, what we're doing here, I just am running everything from my laptop it's it's much more efficient, much more effective. If you have the luxury to be in a station where you always have it set up, you don't have to deal about plugging in cables, go for it. I love Pro Tools. It sounds great. I use Pro Tools still to this day for certain projects when I go into a studio where that's the rig that they have. I have to use it because it's what they have. But me personally, for preference, I've been leaning a lot more on Ableton. Would you have Pro Tools uh, one day in your studio when it's stationary? Would you say that mm. or you will continue using mm. Ableton? That's a great question. On the sense that because they're listening, they say, well, this guy is certified Pro Tools. Now he's using Ableton. So at the end of the day, 
what Look, is the best product? There's no best product. The best product is sharpening your brain. Yeah. That's just the truth. <laughs> you know, if you want that, the technical answer. But I'll, I'll touch on two points. The first point comes from one of my mentors. He's not, I don't know him. He's just someone I look up to, but he's an artist. He's a rapper, an MC. His name is MF Doom. He's one of the most pioneering artists in like the hip hop scene. But he has a quote and it says the following. The only thing that matters is what's coming out of the speakers. Hmm. The only thing that matters is what's coming out of the speakers. I've taken that and I, I was like, hmm, what does he mean by that? And when he explained what he means by that is the following. He's like, during the time when I was producing music, I had no access to the most high-end equipment, no access to the most high-end recording devices. But how did my music chart on the records? That's because I knew the sound that I was looking for and I knew how to achieve that sound or I spent time experimenting to reach that sound. That's it. That's the solution. It's spending time in your environment, wherever it is that you're either working on your projects, creating, mixing, whatever it may be, whatever your environment is, really get acclimated to that environment. Whether you like to mix on headphones, cool. Whether you like to mix on studio monitors, cool. But really take the time to learn your tools that you have available to you and how to get the sound to really come out the best. Start to really study what it means to have good sound. Listen to a bunch of music of the best mixed artists, the best, the, your favorite people that you look up to, and you start to kind of allow your ears and your brain to become acclimated. So to your question, as terms of quality, Pro Tools, it sounds better when you print in certain hertz and certain like, you know, sound rates and certain specific, you know, form factors. And there's certain features within Pro Tools that are extremely advanced, such as like snap to transients, comping. There's these certain things where Pro Tools is beneficial, especially if you're working with a lot of outboard gear. However, when I reach the point where I'm like building a studio from scratch, I would like for it to run off Ableton. The reason why I'm saying this is because to MF Doom's point, at the end of the day, what matters is what's coming out of the speakers and I've worked enough in Ableton and I've mixed and mastered projects in both Ableton and, and Pro Tools. And at the end of the day, when I play them for my clients, they can't tell. They don't know whether I mixed it on Pro Tools or whether I mixed and mastered on, on Ableton. I've literally sat there and done these experiments and been like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to tell. Even up to the point of on a specific EP, one track versus the other track, they can't tell. Because what really ultimately matters is how you're processing the sound, what techniques you're using from a fundamental level, how you're EQing, how you're compressing, how you're choosing to use high-pass filters, how, you're choosing, how your gain structures are working. Really take the time to understand what good music and what good sound is, is much more important than what gear you're using. So that's a motivation to anyone who's like so don't interested. get so pretty much don't, don't get discouraged don't, don't get discouraged and don't get stuck if you don't have the the best equipment. That's an excuse. Just start from what you have. It's an much. excuse to say, oh, I don't have the gear. Nah, you can make it work with what you got. It's as long as you take the time to really invest in yourself and in your ears, because once you've trained your ears and your brain, that's your biggest tool. Because no matter what room you step into, no matter what, whether you're running Ableton, whether you're running Pro Tools, whether you are headphones or whether you have studio monitors, your brain and your ears are so tuned that they know what they want to hear. And this just the, just the audio, if we can say. 
all audio. Video is video another is, world. Bro, huh? I'm not even going to talk on video. <laughs> I like pictures. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm a graphic designer, but when it comes to like cameras or capturing like people, that's way different. I feel like visual art is a whole other thing in and of itself and I think we're going to have to probably bring someone on who can well you yourself. Yeah, yeah. I was talking the other day with uh, um uh, Cosme you know, mm. or, or, or friend Cosme, he's a. What's uh, his uh? What's his his government name? His real name? Jose Jose Luis Cosme. Jose Luis Cosme. Yeah. For those of you who do not know him, he is currently producing a show on one of the biggest Spanish networks that I grew up watching. That you probably grew up watching. We all know it. Telemundo. Telemundo. Yeah. You know, that whole... <laughs> I remember growing up watching Telemundo, Canal 48. Canal 48. You know, the number one in the Bay. So he's a he's a um, cinematographer, film... Basically a little bit of everything because I've seen him make films. I've seen him make commercials, but I've also seen him obviously capture live broadcast. So he's a basically a cinematographer, a videographer is kind of his title. But he's been doing it for over... Many, many years. I'm 21. He's been doing it since before I started. Yeah. You know? So he, I told you, he's recently got a, his Grammy. Because yeah. He produced, uh, he's working with the international um, Telemundo on the uh, West Coast. The international. For, for the news. Yeah, for the exactly. news. He's more on the news uh, part. So not only Grammy nominated, but Grammy receiving. Yeah. yeah. The other day I was talking to him because he showed me his gear and uh, he had his laptop, and I said, what do you use? And he said, well, I, I use uh, Avid. Uh, Pro Tools. Yeah, Pro Tools Avid on the video. And and I said, really, why do you use that? I said, because that's standard for, for the broadcasting. And it's, But he said, you know what? But I have Premiere. I, hmm. I like Premiere. Cut and paste, boom, boom, and that's it. Because that's a whole other environment when you're talking about capturing, because in that, like, I've talked to a lot of people who do sound in that context. It's a whole different world. Yeah. You know, we we talked, that's crazy. We touched on three topics in categories of microphones, and none of those are used in the field for broadcasting or for filmmaking or for video. None of them. They hardly ever use condensers. They maybe sometimes use a dynamic if it's like a speaking or like an interview. Yeah. But it's all omnidirectional. Mm-hmm. They're using lavalier mics. They're using yes. shotgun mics with very specific, you know, cardioid receiving patterns. It's it's a whole different world yeah. of audio. So I was only talking about uh, music mainly and like in this case, podcast production. I'm talking about auditory audio for entertainment purposes, I guess you could say, or for personal consumption. When we're talking about broadcast and that, that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. It is good. We learn a lot with the microphones. I hope we encourage you that if you want to start your project, oh, yeah, right. send us... Um, we back to just kind of touch up when we were saying we're running Ableton. Mm-hmm. Got a couple, obviously, you know, I love Ableton. Any Anyone who knows me knows I love it. But I'm just running a couple simple plugins on here. Shout out Waves Audio. Not my personal company, Waves Audio, but there's, if you know in the music production world, they make the some of the highest quality plugins, Waves Audio. I'm running their CLA-2A compressor, which is a model of an 1176 with some DSers on it, a little bit of EQ. Just very, very simple, simple stuff. But the results can really get you done a long way and, and get you sounding great and sounding 
on par with the professionals on sounding like Joe Rogan, basically. <laughs> you know? One day maybe we'll get like Joe Rogan. We don't know, but we will. I don't know. Joe Rogan's kind of a character, but yeah. I, I'd like to see that and kind of, you know, we're branching off with this specific content today. We're doing this Q&A style a little bit more live. So, you know, we're still looking for guests to come and join us on our podcast. Shoot us an email, shoot us a text, shoot us a DM, whatever it may be. Come and talk with us. We're here. We're open to host all you guys, guys and girls, whoever, whoever. What do you think? Yeah. We're, if you want to come, Invite let us them. know. And, you know, we can talk about it. Just have a nice conversation. And as Samuel said, you know, he's mobile. So we can we can take this all set up where? Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. You could track anywhere. <laughs> yeah. If you guys... Want to or want to do it? Stay, invite us. We'll go out there. <laughs> want to do it in the what? In the park, cafeteria. I mean, we need power. We need but you some, know some you, basic things. Yeah, well, computers they can run in battery. Even the Roadcaster Pro. Really? Yes. The other day I was looking at a video and they have the these those big uh, um, batteries and like a portable a power bank or something. A power bank, yeah, that's sick. and it runs fine, like two three hours and. It's good. So I guess that's that's a lot of people but use it. Again, that. if we were to do it on the go, there's such a simpler option to all of that. Audio interfaces. I'd just bring a different audio interface. That's good. You wow. know, we don't need to carry such a big console. You could do it with a focus right. Something very simple. You have one on your desk right there, something yeah. like that. What so, about like two, three microphones? How 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 would you do it? Just you get the right interface. Okay. You know? Like in this case, there's so many options out there that you could, one of the more simpler options from Focusrite, I think is like $300 and you get four, four inputs, four inputs, four outputs, like four microphones, four in, four out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same, same as this, just in a lot simpler form factor. And of course you'd control it in a different way, but get yourself a DAW, get yourself an audio interface, get yourself some mics, some stands, some cables, some headphones. You're good to go. And start talking. And be engaging. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest part. It is hard. Get I, something to talk about. The gear is easy. I guess, yeah, yeah we're uh, episode number 11, and it's not been an easy uh, journey until this time. Yeah, it's all about consistency. Yeah. You learn, you get better with time. And, yeah, anybody who's out there, if you think you got something to say and you're engaging, then go for it. Let us know if you need help with any gear. Or yeah, anything. definitely. We'd love to help you guys get set up. Help you with your setup, troubleshoot, whatever. Let us know. But that being said, we're going to transition into the Q&A portion of today's video. Woo! You excited? You nervous? You just said video. It's audio. Audio. You're right. Dang. I kept saying video. It's because you know why? I'm so... This is like a YouTube concept. So I don't know if people do the... Uh, yeah, I think I've seen it on a podcast before. Um, or heard it on a podcast before, but like YouTubers do this a lot. They film Q and A's where they ask their viewers for video for questions, and so I guess we're kind of not stealing the concept from YouTube, but it's a YouTube concept for sure. But yeah, we're gonna get going with this Q and A. I'm actually gonna see if maybe we can get some people engaging with us through the live because aspect. we're doing live. We're going live. Yeah, we're Boys doing live. We're going live right here, right now, as we speak. Um, we're going to get this flowing. We're going to get this set up in a couple seconds, see if people start hopping into the live stream. You know, but yeah, we're going to get it kicked off with the first question of the day. 
actually. First and foremost, I want to ask, what are you sipping on right there in that cup? Oh, this is uh, Nespresso coffee from Mexico. I cannot live without it. No? Oh, no, no, no. You're a coffee guy? Oh, yes. 100%. Especially... Since what age have you been drinking coffee? Ooh, that's, I'll say what, uh, 10 years old? Nah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to, we used to, my grandma used to make this coffee out of uh, what we call La Olla. <laughs> and uh, there's a big, it's a, it was a big, it was a big bag, okay? And they put it in a big, big pot. Wait, 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 bag of what? Uh, uh, coffee, sorry. There was a big bag of coffee. So like, kind of like a tea bag? Pretty much, okay. pretty much. And then they had the big pot, and then they put the water and mix it. And then does uh, the bag dissolve, or the bag stays in the water? No, no, it dissolves. You put you put the uh, coffee into the big pot oh, with, with the boiling like water. Instant coffee, pretty much, pretty much. But was this if coffee was? Uh, Why is it called the la olla though? Because it was they made they put it in la olla, the barro. Oh, not like a tea kettle? No. I'm talking about back in El Salvador. So instead of putting, like, let's say, because nowadays I've seen you make instant coffee. You yes. pu put it in your cup, and then you pour the and water. And put the water. Why, why didn't you guys just do it that way? Because back then it was it was different. Mm. It was different. Is it better? It tastes good. Okay. It's more natural. Mm. This coffee you can feel, you know, like the flavor is good. Do you still make coffee de la olla? Um... It depends. I think you brought me from Puerto Rico the other day. Ah, that's, I mean, I brought that's kind of like ground the same. coffee. Yeah, that's kind of the same. That's instant coffee. Yeah, but you put it, you boil the water, and oh, you put the coffee. Oh, so you're saying kind of like how you make hot chocolate, like a big batch. Yes. And then everyone just drinks, like you pour it. You pour it, but you le pones un colador. You kind of like filter oh. it, and then you pour your coffee, and then it tastes different. Then, mm. then that's like, kind of like, you know what that's like? That's kind of like these modern day coffees like with the uh, hop or not pour over yes the pour over yes where le pones el filtro yes. and then you and then you put the yeah. you put the, the coffee the, the grains uh, is they do say it's better right or like the pour over have you had pour over oh coffee? yes yes oh totally different like Starbucks or something yes it tastes different you, you can it's feel fire. more natural is it good I mean personally I feel more natural what's the best coffee because Honestly, I'm not a coffee. I'm over here sipping on an energy drink, but there's a lot of people who love coffee. Well, and I bet you a lot of our listeners, because I'm not a coffee guy, so put us on. Well, uh, uh, most of the people say Colombian coffee is the best. No, uh, but I'm talking about you. Put us on. For me? Well. Like, I'm what are you saying? You know what? Anybody who wants to have good coffee, do this. Well, it, it, it depends because right now, for me, this coffee, Nespresso, is the best. So you're talking about specifically these pods. These pods, yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. Because all right, look, I'm gonna put it I'm gonna bring you into my world, right? Okay. There, there might be a potential guy listening to this podcast called Caleb. Shout out Caleb if you're listening to this podcast. He's on staff with me at Echo. But the other day we were in a staff meeting. Mm -hmm. All right. So listen to the type of people that might be listening, right? He poured out his Kem I think the brand is Chemex. I'm not sure. I might be butchering it. But he like this kind of like container that looked like an hourglass and he made like the most artsy nice cup of coffee and gave it to the whole staff so in your opinion let's not go pods no pods what's the best crafted cup of coffee that if someone were to come to your house i'm gonna make them this way i will say um 
Café listo. Let's say Jesus just walked into your house. He's sitting at your table and he says, <laughs> can I get a coffee? What well, are you going to give him? I will give him uh, a nice uh, café listo. So what is that? Break it down. If, How do you make it? What's the preparation? It, 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 would you just put the, the, boil, the boiling water okay. in a cup and you just put the coffee, mix it, put milk and bingo. Boom. Practical. Easy. Dang. If you want to go more <laughs> than deep, you want to go more than that and then you put the the pot, the boiling water, you put into Jesus the specific... Jesus is at your table and you're giving him instant coffee <laughs> with milk. It depends, but, you know... Hallelujah. It, it, like, for example, right now, in the modern day, we have the machine. And, and, and be honest, you know, I used to go with ta- Starbucks, but it's paying like $10, $12 for a coffee. Now, with this machine, I go and buy, what, $100 worth of coffee and it will last me, like, almost... Two months. There you go. In Lady, the quality. Ladies and gentlemen, you're witnessing a baby boomer currently <laughs> saying on ca- on air, on recording, I love the technology. Bing, 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 bing. He I, said he loves the millennial tech. It, I cannot this, deny it. This pod system no, is new. I, I cannot deny How it. How many years? Maybe I don't even remember when the first pod system came out, but it was recent. Yeah. Like 2010 maybe? Pretty much. Or maybe around. like... Yeah. Let's say 2009, 2010. Around, around that, that, those years. You know? But, I mean, they're good. Because I grew up seeing you drink coffee my whole life, and it's always been the same exact setup. And I guess maybe that's why I never liked it. Red <laughs> Folgers. Red Folgers. <laughs> in, in some old cup with just, pon el agua a hervir, pon el agua a hervir, go boil the water, and just pour it up in the cup. And, and then with the pan dulce. Yeah, bread, conchas, whatever it may be. But, yeah, I'm not a coffee guy. And let us know what type of coffee you drink. And let us know what type They're, of uh, dessert. They will let us know. You know, maybe they, they have some good coffees. You know, they're good desserts that we, we might need to try. Yeah. Favorite, fra- let us know your favorite drinks. Obviously, non-alcoholic because we ain't about that. I ain't no sipping no alcohol. If you like alcohol... We ain't judging you, but me personally, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I, it's a taste thing. It's too much. But anyways, that was a quick little introduction into our Q&A. Let's see. I'm, I'm going to go live. Let's go live. Let's see what's up with the with the Instagram fam. We're going to get this cracking. Did you have any um, any questions off the top of your head that, that you might have for our audience that might be beneficial? Oh, I, I really thank you for the information you gave us uh, early about the uh, microphones, about doing the podcast. I guess it's, um, you know, these days uh, anybody can do it, but if you really are passionate, you know, uh, we encourage you to do it. Do not limit yourself with the equipment. It just a matter. If you have something to say, if you have something to say, something to share, just do it. Don't, do not, you know, get distracted because. Can you, can you see that? Uh yes, we got the live going over here. We'll see what happens as it as it continues to. to so develop. so you know uh, uh, that's one when you said you know this is studio one two three, you know I guess like right now you can have your own studio mobile studio yeah anywhere you go and and do do things and I get, that's that's the advantage of technology. Right. Back then, uh, like fifteen years ago, when you're talking about studio. You spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for for equipment, just to record. Just yeah. to record. To but now these dates, you know, it's 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 doable. 
you can do it. So I guess um, you can get it done with the law. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But one thing, one thing is like this. You just uh, mentioned is about that you need really need to know your tools because you can have the best tool, but if you don't know how to use it. It's not going to make any good. It's useless. That's why my friend Cosme was, you know, all the time that I'm knowing him, say, you know what? You need to learn how to edit. Mm. Because if you don't know how to edit. You're useless. Yes. So. Especially in the day, modern age, day of computers and technology. It's essential. It's essential to everything that we're doing. Because at the end of the day, it's wild to think about it this way. But the computer is the center of the workflow. Mm-hmm. You've seen an evolution. Yeah, of that oh yeah, because definitely. You're coming from a, a time where you were producing, you know, broadcast level productions where you relied on the hardware, right? Like I'm assuming, what was that one recorder that you? Because I re, I vividly remember the first studio racks that I've seen before I was ever introduced to audio was video studio racks. Yes. So like, what kind of gear typically was being put into those racks? The, the video ones. Well, the video, I, I, I remember you you have the uh, what they call the uh, video switcher. But that the, was on the rack? It, the, the, I was going to, I was, on the rack was the recorder and the player. That's what I was asking. Yeah. What, what kind of recorder? It was like, it's the Betacam. Betacam, which the, is a style of film. Yes, it's like a, a yeah, cartridge, like, like a cassette. Cartridge, like a cartridge, like but a cassette. For film. For film. Okay. So especially for broadcasting. So you will have the Betacam player and then you have the Betacam recorder. And you will do it manually. But that was like an industry standard thing though. Yes. The whole like Betacam concept because I remember there was someone who would come and pick up these tapes. Yes. Directly in that format. Well, Telemundo, right? Univision, all the broadcast stations, that's station, what they, were that's what they will it's receive kinda like, from you. kind of like the modern day equivalent of a hard drive. Yes. Or like sending them an email with your WAV files, with your MP4 files. Back then, there was no MP4. Let's say MP4 file, but in a tape. The physical format. In the tape. That's crazy. In the tape. That's old school, So you give the tape, it's 30 minutes, 28, and that's the full show. And But the hard part, you know what this, I I got the chance to, to edit what they call linear. The linear editing, linear, linear, and it, it you have Kinda the, like, yeah. yes, you have in the computer cut and paste. Down there, it, there you have to do it manually. You have to be so sharp when you cut and insert the new clip mm. and the transition. So how would what was there like a software or no physically ma- physically manually? Wow. Remember, you have scrubbing? to do it. Is that what's known as the, the, the scrubbing the, the, the concept? Thing, and then you go with frames, and you see you have to see the numbers on the screen because that's the frames. Oh, actually, I think I remember this yeah. concept. How you like you essentially hit record? Yes. You wait, and then you have to cue in like video transitions, like the little graphics. Yes. And you know it's timed specifically to line up yeah that's and true and then you have the what they call the cg the character generators that you put it so uh, that's old school that, that's old school yo let me break down a concept for you guys nowadays we have this thing called obs obs studio Ooh, wow. or you have pro presenter Right, if you're in production world where you simply can overlay your SDI camera input, you could do it live in real time and throw a graphic over graphic it, a lower third, whatever on the fly, on the fly, on the go, no latency. Whether you're using OBS or whether you're using Pro Presenter or some sort of 
Back in the day, you know what your boy had to do to do this process is you had to have a separate PC. Like in this case, in, in the studio, we had like a PC dedicated specifically for this like old school software. I forgot what that software was called. It's called Bidionic. Bidionic. And it was kind of like, the way you could think about this, if you guys ever grew up playing like computer games, like, like PC. A, like Atari. Yeah, like. <laughs> Atari graphics. Basically, it was like this generator, this library where you could have like uh, 3D graphics. In this case, um, we had designed the, the church's logo to have like this little animation where it was like spiraling. And I remember every single service, we'd have to go in there, load up kind of like this sequence of graphics. But there would be someone who would have to queue those graphics, kind of like nowadays you're queuing it in ProPresenter. But here's the crazy part. The computer was then being fed into like this giant switching console. So you had to, the person who was there had to essentially like trigger the transition and kind of fade in and fade out of the graphics and the transitions all like back then. Nowadays, you press click with one mouse button and it'll trigger the... Back then, it's like two people looking at each other, yes. making eye contact me like, are you ready? Are Do you it. ready? Okay, kill me. Now. now. And Boom. then every little thing, because at the end of the day, as as you know, as he's mentioning, this was all being printed live. And so any mistake that was made Whoa. on the recording was going to end up on the final copy. You know, I remember uh, when I used to edit uh, or, or TV program that was sent to Telemundo that it was 2830. That was the standard. Dang, uh, it wasn't even HD. No, 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 no. Wow. It's SD. You're it, old. It, it was what they call a, a 640 by 480. Um, so to in order to edit 28 minutes, 30 seconds, it, it It took me between, I'll say, three to four hours. To edit a 20? To edit. Wow. Because you have to... You, Those were the ratios back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, because you have to put the uh, the, bar, uh, the bar, bars and tone at the beginning. Then you will put this late. And then you will put the open. And then you will put your, let's say, your first 10 minutes. And then you will do a cut to go for commercial and then you will come back and, and edit the second part and you put so all those you have to do it manually. Yeah. Right there. In and that then moment. Hand over this piece of like this cassette, this final product. Yes, you give it to the to to the TV station and that's that's the way back then. Nowadays you have your computer, you record everything and boom. It's what it's what we call the transition from analog to digital. Like, you, like I told you, linear to non-linear. I get it. That's pretty much what the industry standard now. Linear from non-linear. I see. That was the computer, pretty much. Shout out the boy Memo, who just hopped in the live stream. We're recording a podcast, bro. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the podcast, but let, let us know if you have any questions for the podcast. We're here with uh, with the GOAT. Hey, Memo. Coast. Good to that's see not, you. That's not memo. That's not the memo you know. It's not our memo. It's a different memo. It, oh, okay. You know who just hopped in? Who? The boy Guido. CG. Josh Guido. Oh, really? Wow. Hey, Josh. Good to see you. Oh, where's he at now? Uh, right now he um is I think in San. No, he's going he's towards Diego? Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
my boy Memo. Oh, oh. What's up, bro? Yeah. It's crazy. Shout out. Guido, I think, hopped in for a little bit, but we got Memo in the chat. But yeah, let's let's hop into our next question. Okay. Basically, for the next one that we want to talk to today is let us know, actually. So someone asked me this, and they were like, it's a pretty, pretty interesting question, and it's the following. Who is your favorite person in the Bible? Wow, 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 wow. I guess top of my mind right there is Paul. Really? Yes. Off Paul. bat gut reaction, Paul. Paul. Why? Because uh, he's been he's been a topic of the podcast. Yeah, because you see in Paul somebody that it was uh, as we talk in the podcast, he was wild. He was so determined to destroy uh, the early church. But one of the things it, it impacts me is the way he changed. Mm. The way at the end of the his ministry, half of the New Testament is, is it was written by it was written by Paul. By Paul. Yeah. So it was a big change, and how now he stands for for the early church. So for me, if somebody is like you know, and one of the things that got my attention about Paul that he was not with like Peter or John uh, or Matthew. You like that about him. That's one thing. Because he said mm. that he received the revelation directly from Jesus. Yeah, that's good. That's true. And that's one of the things that for me is like, it, it makes it gives me hope that if if God did it with Paul, he can do it with us mm. by by looking really the truth. So for me, Peter is is in the New Testament. I guess in the Old Testament, I can say uh, uh, Joseph. Joseph? Yeah, Joseph. Yeah. Me Memo just piped in, and he said that his favorite person after Jesus is Paul. I was going to say oh. that. Yeah, I know. That's an easy one, Memo. Uh, Everyone can say Jesus yeah. is their favorite person in the Bible. He is, I mean. He's the number one. Yeah. He'll, he'll always be yeah. the number one. So, yeah, he he's on the same page with you, though. He, he likes Paul, totally agrees with that. But I'd say Paul is... He's interesting, you know, but he's not my favorite. Okay. I'll be honest. You know who's my favorite? If we're going to break it down by New Testament and Old Testament, maybe that'll be easier. I'll go New Testament. My favorite is probably going to be his direct next in line. Very interesting character, Timothy. Timothy. Oh, okay. I identify with Timothy. Okay. You know, he's a young guy. Maybe eventually I'll evolve. Probably right? because I'm I young. I would say that yeah, probably. Yes. I'm young right now, so maybe I'm like biased towards saying Timothy. But what I like about Timothy, because we don't get to see much about his mindset, but I can just envision how, because it's written, it's a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. But the reason why I'd say I think he's an interesting character is because if you if you read about his context, if you read about how he grew up, he had no father, no father figure. You know, he grew up mainly with women. His grandmother was the source that, in his context, they say that she's the one who introduced faith into, like, their household, yeah. kind of. So I, I like him because he has a unique story. He is, um, you can look at him kind of like an outlier. He's not your traditional person. And I think that's probably part of the reason why, if you read First Timothy, Second Timothy, the the the, the things that Paul is addressing in him is his identity. Is his he he tells him one of the biggest quotes from Timothy is, "Do not be discouraged because of your youth." Because he's, of your he's youth. addressing a conflict that 
Timothy himself was struggling with in his identity. So I like that, that he's a unique character in that we get to see what his mentor or what his coach would be telling him. And I think that's super, super valuable because you said he's your favorite, Paul. I like to hear what Paul had to say more than what he did, if that makes any sense. Because I feel like I can kind of put myself in Timothy's shoes and be like, oh, snap. It's as if Paul was talking directly to me. You know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think for me, Paul, because uh, the way he, he really helped other people, not just uh, Timothy, also uh, Tito. Titus. Titus. So he was more like a mentor. 100%. He was like a, a, like a teacher. He was more like, a, um, I'm going to do it first, and then I will show you how to do it. Yeah. That's kind of like I see Paul. Right. As, as, as a leader, as a father, as a somebody that will, will, will really empower you to do something. But, but he was not the type of guy that it was, look, you know, I will teach you, and then you do figure out how you're going to do yeah. it. He, he did it. That's, that's and, dope. And, and that's kind of like for me, Timothy and, and the other disciples, they saw Paul like a, a, a big example, especially for the gospel. 100%. He shaped the whole trajectory not of the even, gospel. Not even uh, uh, Peter, no. not even John, not even James, that they were the close circle of Jesus because Jesus had a, a close circle. They, he had the 12 disciples, then he had the circle that was Peter, John, and James. But they didn't they didn't that much yeah. as Paul did, as right. we mentioned in the in the previous podcast. Right. So for me, it's him. And cool. um, what about from the Old Testament? Like the Old Testament, I say you know Joseph. Yeah. Uh, you know all they have to go go through to finally at the end fulfill God God's plan, and he had you know all the brothers, you know, hate hated him. You, you for like, just for the dream, you like the beef, huh? You like the drama. <laughs> I mean, some you know the Bible. You have to if you want to read it, you can read it as a drama. I was I was um, doing my um, my research in, in my encyclopedia logos for the ones that like to study the Bible, mm-hmm. and one of the things they said that you can read the Bible as a drama, and you will see big dramas, and you need you know. With big dramas, and that's one of the things about Joseph that it was a big drama in his family. But at the end of the day, you see, God's uh, plan it was fulfilling his life. So that's those are the two characters for me. What nice. about you? Old Testament for me, I'm gonna probably have to pick King David. Mm. Easy, easy, easy option for me. Um, as a worship leader myself, I can easily identify with him. But I love King David because I, you know, we he's another topic from the podcast. I guess you can tell they're our favorites because we've talked about them yeah. before. Yeah. But essentially, the reason why I like David is because I argue that he is the best example of the human experience. Mm. What do I mean by that? You get to see... You can identify with his struggles as a man. You can identify with his struggles just even as a human being, you know, having conflict with so many different people and then also even having that internal conflict within himself. You talked about how Paul is big in the transformation that he makes. David is the same way. But I think that what's so cool about David is that we get to see his entire sort of evolution and that's what's very unique to him as a character. I like to see that. It's kind of like 
if you're reading, I don't know, like a comic book, and you want to know how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. Oh, okay, You know, okay. you want to have that background okay, story. Yeah. And David is very, very well documented. Yes, in yes, the Old yes, yes. Like, you get to read his perspective, not only from the Psalms, which are his own writings, which I love. I love the Psalms. Like, before I even started the podcast, now I'd say the Gospels are some of my favorite books in the Bible. But before, it was always Psalms always always psalms because i love david and i love how he expressed himself but you get to also read about him through the in, uh, through the account of first samuel second samuel so you get a lot of um a lot of stories about david so that's why i really like it because you really get to see so many points where you can identify with him because you get to see him grow up you get to see him as a boy all the way up until yes. he, he dies yeah that's pretty much what it is. It, all those books is really you see the life of David yeah. when he was young, and then all that he became as a king, and at the end, all when he he was about to die. Yeah. So you can really see the span of life of of that character, and that's very crucial. It's super cool because yeah. you know Paul is attributed for writing a majority of the New yeah. Testament. David can be attributed for writing a majority of the Old Testament. Just within the Psalms, within Song of Psalms, you know, all those sorts of things. That's good. But, and then about, kind of a... What? what about women? My favorite woman character? In yeah. The, you see, that's crazy because obviously, you know, if as scholars of the Bible or anybody who just reads the Bible, you got to kind of understand that the culture of the time, the women, they didn't play a big role. But somehow in the Bible... In most, like I mentioned, you know, Timothy is nothing without his grandmother, Dorcas. Yes. You know, in this case, shout out my mother-in-law who also shares that same name coincidentally. But there would be no Timothy if there was no Dorcas. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the biblical characters have that. Yo, we got Pastor Gene joining us live. Oh, hello, We're Pastor Gene. With the, uh, God bless you. God bless you. Recording this pod live. We got some. We're going on a live Q and A right now, so let us know if you have any questions or how many people are connected now. Just two people. Okay. We got two people, but yeah. So back to what I was saying, right? There, there would be like in this case, Paul is kind of unique because remember, I think you shared to me one time that he became a eunuch, right? That yeah. he never married. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But you know how like they say there's a quote out there that says like behind every great man there's an even yes. greater woman. I think. Biblically, that is most oftentimes true, you know? It is true. Jesus had a great relationship with his mother. He honored her. He loved her. One of the most influential women in the whole entire story. But interestingly enough, think about what Jesus said when he was on the cross. Yes. He told his brother, yes. hey, make sure you look after mom. Yes. You know? So that, that I see one of my favorite women in the Bible is easily, 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 and she's kind of sometimes underlooked, Naomi. Mm, okay okay that's deep you know well what do you know about about her why do you like uh, naomi because she modeled what i argue what it looked like to be persistent and to really stay true to the calling mm, okay because she supported she was more of a support role she was not necessarily the main one because of her younger counterpart mm. it always goes with her ruth okay everyone gets the story of ruth Right. And how, oh, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi and Ruth, always together. But what's interesting in the scriptures, if you read Naomi's posture, she was kind of always the one reaffirming. 
supporting, saying, you know what? No, God's plan is to have his will be carried out in your life, so stick to it. Even when maybe Ruth would go off or whatever it might be, her faith was consistent. I kind of like that. You know, that's that's a very, uh, a very good perspective, I'm sorry, because sometimes we want to be the stars. Mm. Sometimes we want to be, you know, the light shines on us. And sometimes we don't really appreciate the people is like you said, like supporters. Yeah. And in in this case, Naomi was the supporter for Ruth. So I believe that it was no Ruth without Naomi. Exactly. And 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 sometimes women, sometimes we see in the Bible not a very important. Right. And that's what I ask you in women's, what is your favorite? What about you? For me, it's Anna. Ooh, that's a good one. It says uh, Samuel's uh, mom. Uh, the way she kind of like, you know, she fight the religion to believe the miracle. They believe that that something was going to happen. So, and then she received her son and then she gave it back. That's for me, that's a great example. Because some her, her prayer. Yes, also she, her prayer. We yeah. talked a lot. We talk a lot about uh, being sterile and what infertility meant like that was a sign or indication that God's blessing wasn't there. Yes. But we kind of see an interesting posture that Anna took because she says, if you are to give me a son, already there modeling the faith aspect, I'll give him right back to you to serve you. But then that in and of itself, I think what she was doing there is realizing if I break the curse, if I can become blessed, that's all I need. You know, it's that seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness because she said, I don't want it for me. I'll give them right back to you. But then what is the, the, the a lot of people forget that Samuel had more brothers. After that, yes. After that. Yes. That yes. was the blessing. The that, Lord, the yes. Lord uh, gave her more sons. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So how that one multiplied that investment factor. That's good. That's a good concept. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So I, I like her very much. For me, every time I see uh, the impossibles to become possible, I see I see her, especially her prayer life. Yeah. The the tenacity that she had, the, you know, against the revival, uh, and the Lord, you know, saw her, you know, and that's kind of the thing for me is that when you receive something from God, you have to give it back. Mm. And sometimes we are so scared that we, we get hold of the blessing. But the blessing, is, it, yes, it's a blessing. But when you give it back, you you expose yourself to receive more. Yeah. And for me, that's 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 very, very And even so more, more than anything, look at how that one individual, mm. the impact oh. he had. Yeah. So now Anna's legacy. Yes. Now her her whole outlook on life has been transformed because she's like, dang, I literally gave birth to one of the most influential prophets of his entire generation who anointed the first king of yes, Israel. Yes. How You know, that's deep. You essentially, in her having faith, this is deep, this is a good revelation, by choosing to give up what she so desperately wanted, God made her part of history. Yes, yes. That's a big one right there. A lot of people say, hey, God, how do I change the world? How do... 
right there, she's showing us what it takes to be a part of God's plan, to be a part of transformation, to be a part of history. You sometimes need to give up what you want the most. And that's why I like your posture. That's why I like your mindset when you say about supporting. Yeah. Because sometimes we are not going to be the stars. We are going to be the supporting team. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're going to be behind the curtains. Right. But you are more, you are important that the one is in front. And sometimes we, we disqualify ourselves. Sometimes mm. we, we say, oh, I'm not the one. No, you have to really see that there is no somebody in front, the, the people in the back. Yeah. I have learned for many, many years this, 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 this position, this concept, that I don't have to be in front. You don't need the spotlight. No, I don't need it. Why? Because the spotlight's on Jesus. It's on Jesus. Yeah, that's and true. If I can be part of it, of something great, That's it. Right. Because at the end of the day, guess what? The Lord is going to ask you for what he has given to you, your mm. responsibility. Mm. But if we don't accomplish our responsibility, guess what's going to happen? Somebody It's like else. like we were talking about off podcast. Eventually, we will have to be judged for that. Yes. <laughs> And so imagine Anna, when she gets judged, God's going to be like, that's my girl right there. See? You know? Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. One other question you have. I got another question. Now kind of transitioning to something a little bit more fun, I guess. Um, someone asked on there for our, all of our people listening or whoever, even with the podcast, they asked, what's your go-to music on a road trip? Now, this could be interpreted <laughs> controversial or not. You could choose to share if you're going to share your Christian um playlist or whatever you could be honest you cannot be honest i'm gonna be honest for me on a road trip all right ccm wise ccm means christian contemporary music okay uh ccm i'm gonna probably be slapping a lot of maverick city Ooh, come on if y'all know you know maverick city uh not really but you know they're coming they are concord right yeah they're gonna be in concord is that san francisco no it's july concord. june something uh june 26th but in concord yeah i i, I saw that so Maverick City, you got it. Oh, you know who Maverick City is? It's Kirk, Kirk Franklin, right? No, 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 no. no. He is uh, on tour with them. with uh, with the Maverick, Maverick okay. City. Is the Maverick City? You know what the, what they're doing? They won a Grammy this year. Wow, really? It's um, I think it's the first time I was reading the first time in 12 years that a Christian artist has been nominated in multiple categories to receive a Grammy. Mm, wow, it's powerful. Praise God. I know. Praise God. But honestly. <laughs> They're the ones. They, Maverick City is fire, so they're for sure number one. And then I, I'm a big Espanol guy, so I'm slapping Edward Rivera. Do you know Edward Rivera? No. He's from Bethel. He's one of my favorite worship leaders. I'm most easily gonna slap, obviously, Maverick City in Espanol. It's kind of two different groups, like two different dynamics entirely because they are so stacked with worship leaders like for example the espanol side recently collaborated with israel hewton oh okay from the you uh, know uh, lakewood yeah and whereas the english side collaborates like with kirk franklin you know kind of they're they're big in both areas and pushing it so for sure uh from this elevation worship i love elevation um on a road trip i'm most likely i love marcos brunette oh marcos one of my Brunet. big big ones upper room Um, 
And then, you know, just to, you know, take that mask off. Where's that mask at? For sure, I'm going to be listening to, I'm a big hip-hop R&B fan. I love hip-hop. So anything ranging from old-school rap, from West Coast rappers like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, um, even a little bit of throwing in our Bay Area rappers, Too Short, Ooh, E-40. Too short. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He knows Too Short. I know Too Short. I know Pastor G knows Too Short. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for sure some of them. And then modern rappers that I'm listening to, J. Cole. Mainly because what I look for in modern rappers is their ability to really craft their message mm -hmm. in a way that is looking past. Everyone can rap about drugs. Everyone can rap about violence. Everyone can rap about, hey, I did this. Or everybody can rap about, oh, this girl. Oh, How many rappers can paint a picture? Mm. How Tupac used to do. How Notorious B.I.G. used to, You know, like we're talking about rappers who with their words can bring you into this like, whoa, I'm in the story right yeah, now. Yeah. So that's what I look for in modern day okay. kind of MCs. So I, I mentioned MF Doom earlier in the podcast. Um J. Cole is one of my favorite lyricists. Um, I listen to Andy Minio. He's a like kind of like a he is Christian, um, but he has a cool approach to it. I like Lecrae, NF. Um, I like Larry June. He's a Bay Area rapper. Shout out Larry June numbers. And I also like um honestly, my so, musical taste is diverse. So that will be your playlist pretty much. For the road all this, trip? All these artists. Different. The thing is, I like the question because they ask, what are you listening to yeah. on a road trip? Yeah. You know, so like when you're on a road trip, what are you slapping? What's your go to? I'm rotating in probably those two genres or if I'm feeling it. Honestly, me on a road trip, I'm listening to probably like a podcast. OK, you know, realistically. What about you? Well, I mean, you know, I like salsa. Very yes, very I didn't even go into that though. Very G tropical. I'll slap some salsa, oh, some I... Ruben Blades, Ooh. Tito Puentes. What are we talking about here? We're talking about, uh, let's say, um, Tony Vega. Okay. Uh, we'll say um, the old ones, Eddie Santiago. Um, uh, wow, El Combo de Puerto Rico. Combo de Puerto Rico. Yes. And you know, you I, don't you don't listen to Hector Lavoe. That's kind of like too old. Too old? Yeah, for me it's so too you, old. I don't think you like salsa then. Well, Te gusta I'm, más like merengue? No, 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 no. I like salsa. Especially the romantic ones. The soft romantic with the with ah, the message. I see. I don't like the, the, the... No, merengue. I have to... I don't know. But for me, salsa. I like salsa. Salsa? We yes. got a couple people right here dropping. Shout out Daniela who's listening on the... Instagram, we're saying, what is your favorite music? What is your favorite? What do you like to listen to on a road trip? Pastor Gene said Motown. Do you know what Motown music no. is? Oh, man. I, I'm with you there, Pastor. Motown is like the Temptations, the Four Tops. Oh, okay. Like the, old, Jackson, the Jackson 5. No, no, Jackson 5 wouldn't be considered Motown. That's more funk. Um, more. I'm talking about like a little bit older than that. More of like kind of old school Motowny vibe. Yeah. Erwin and Fire? No. You see, now you're entering into a whole other category that's known as funk. Okay. That's I love funk. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about Parliament Funkadelic, Earth Wind and Fire. Earth, We're talking fire. about Africa, Toto, Toto you know, yeah. we're talking Ooh. about big, 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 big groups like that. We're talking about Stevie Wonder. Mm. If you're talking about funk. But I'm saying like 
go-to is kind of the question that they were asking. Like, right off the bat, what are you picking? For me, I'm either flipping between CCM and hip-hop. Right there, boom. You are most Get likely, it to the car, boom. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, you're saying your go-to will be salsa. Right there. Right? Okay. What else? Um, I like uh, uh, instrumental, especially uh, jazz. Jazz? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm really low. But on a road trip? Yes. Oh, yeah. You're not going to fall asleep slapping oh, jazz? No. no, 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 no. What kind of jazz, though? Because I'm a little bit of a jazz snob, so like I don't want to pressure you because I know you can't even name any jazz artists, probably. Well, I don't know, but I, I have a big list in my phone. I, all I can say, uh, Poor Heart Castle. Okay. Um, and there is there a different name, but I like jazz. I see. Especially when see. driving, I feel like, you know, it, it, it helps me kind of like, you know. Kind of relax. Kind of relax, yeah. yeah. Even when I'm working, sometimes I put a nice uh, jazz and it helps me a lot. Puts you in a vibe. Concentrate, yes, yes. Yeah. And then in the mood, especially in the mood, if I kind of like with my wife, I put a nice uh, romantic English music, Air Supply, uh, Flickbook Mac. We literally said on a road trip, man. We're not getting there. We're not getting into the. We're not going what? into those ways. We don't need. We don't need pickup lines. We don't need game out here. We're trying to get game put onto us by a baby boomer over here. Come on, son. <laughs> Let them handle it. Nah, but um, that's a. I'd say that's good. That's a good transition there. Another question that someone um posed for us on here was, what was the when was the first time you felt called to ministry? Wow, 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 Dang. wow. Dang, y'all, y'all are going deep here. You asked oh. a pastor of mm. how many years now? I'll say um, almost 27 years. So you're basically asking a pastor of 27 years, what's your origin story? Where'd you start? How, where'd you come from? What, how, when did you say, you know what, I'm going to spend 27 years doing this? I think for me it it was it was uh, it was different type of um, process for me, and at the beginning I really understand that I had a call of my life. What do you mean by that? Because at the beginning you are what they call the first love. I okay. know many of them they aren't gonna stand you know el primer amor. It was you are you are so in love with Jesus. Yeah, I I I remember that. I could still. Like identify, you know, when you're just maybe whatever your background is, maybe it's the first time. Think about that moment to when he's talking about what's your first love. Think about when you never, ever, ever thought and said, hey, who is Jesus? That's kind of what you're talking about, right? Okay. Yeah, I I fell so in love with Jesus that for me, everything was Jesus. Que locura enamorarme yo Ooh. de ti. <laughs> Eddie Santiago, oh, the line right wow, there. Wow, so you wow. fell in love with Jesus. I, I, I fell in love. Huh? How old were you? I was, I'll say, I was 27. Okay. 26, 27. It was in 1995. Wow. When I got saved. Um, I got saved and uh, it was a, uh, what we call um, a congreso. From a praise mm. and worship congress. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know how many I, of y'all got saved at a conference. Yeah. I, I will share you in another podcast my my what happened really in, in, in that. But what was the first time you felt like, hey, you know what? Maybe I want to volunteer. Or like, hey, maybe I'm going to help serve in a ministry. You know. What was it? Well, it, it was, I remember that because, you know, you have to understand that it takes responsibility. 
to really serve the church right. or to be So you were engaged. probably like, ah, I don't want to commit. Yeah. You, I'm assuming you were working. I was, I was you had young. a job. Yeah. Yeah, I had a job. I was young. I, mean, I didn't want to really take like responsibility. Like volunteer. Yeah, no, because, you know, it's like, you know, you have to, you still have your, your bad habits. You still have your bad friends. That's the that's you true still right have there. Bad companies, so you go to church just for you know a little bit. I get it. You know, a few hours, and that's it. And the rest of the week, you live. You're chilling. Yeah, you where you live. So I remember um, because I had a background of um, I I've told you before that I used to work with the uh, discoteca mobile. Yeah, uh, and then I knew about speakers, okay. connections. Okay. And I remember I used to sit always in the back. Mm, super, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I always used to sit in the back. So you were really close to the sound guy. I was yeah. close to the sound guy because the same thing, because I didn't want to really put myself into like so spiritual, so... That's that. kind of a cool thing though, because when you think about it, the church that you were attending offered something that you can identify with because you're saying you came from the background of discoteca mobiles yes. so you kind of felt like oh i know about speakers i like sound i like music yes. so it kind of caught your attention it, it caught my attention because the the uh, worship team they were all uh young people okay cool I, I your saw, age kind of yes yeah. i saw keyboards uh, were they good at the time oh yes 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 no way. they were good they were good like uh, how good they're, they were good. What were some of the songs that were peaking back in the day? In the well, back then, because Marcos Barrientos and Marcos no, Witt no. hadn't even popped no. off. Yeah, uh, uh, they used to have uh, what they call. I don't. I don't know if you remember your mom like that. Inspiration. Grupo, Grupo, Grupo Inspiración. Oh, so that kind of tempo. Yeah, kind of that with keyboards Super, and guitars. Yeah. But what? But these guys were young, so they're not gonna go with the old traditional music. They were bringing in modern flavors to yes. the church, you could say. Yes. Okay. So, so when I saw the keyboard, when I saw the, the electric guitar, when the I bass, saw the drums, drums, when I saw the bass, when I saw the singers, it was like, hey, that's good. I mean, I like nice. the yeah. music. It sounded the, good. It sounded good. Cool. Like, you know, So the mix was good? It was good. I mean... PA system was good? Well, we used to have those PV big bocinas. Dang, y'all were rocking the PVs. <laughs> and then the big uh, uh, mixer. And the thing was that every time, because th they used to rent this place. Oh, So every okay. time they have to... This put, is a teardown ministry. Yes, it was a teardown ministry when, <sighs> when they were, you know, in, in this place. So um, I remember that, uh, you know, I, I saw that that they were, you know, turning down the speaker, put it down. So for me, it was like, you know, uh, and I told to the guy, you know, hey, if you need help, I can help you. Yeah. But it was kind of like, I didn't want a more compromise. So you technically didn't feel called to no. ministry yet. Oh, no, 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 so no. So what happened? No, because, and what happened is that I remember this guy, and uh, he, he was fine, and he said, you know, I'm going to Mexico. Can, can you help me for two weeks? Just to put the things, I would show you how to do it. And for me, it was normal. It was like, you know, being around a speaker, being a connection, microphone, cables. And I said, okay, I'll help you just for two weeks. But when you come back, you know. How so, many services did you do in two weeks? Uh, we used to do uh, Wednesday, uh, Friday. No, Wednesday was, the, was uh, we had the service in the center. Friday, we used to have prayer meeting. It was in the room. And then Sunday was the major one. 
So basically, six services is what he wanted you to yes, cover. Yes. Okay. But the, the Sunday was from from two o'clock to five. Three hours. Three hours service. So basically, he asked for you to cover him for like a part time job almost. Yes, it okay. was. Okay. It, it was. Okay. So for me, it, I got so much into the the music kind of like stuff, like because I identify myself with putting the speaker, the cable. It, I saw more that. Then so would spiritual. you say you were okay? So not even feeling no, a quote unquote call. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I was kind of like doing it for fun. Yeah, I was doing it for fun. I like the music. I like the vibe, the environment. But you have to remember that I, I had some problems. Okay. So <laughs> I was dealing with with my addiction. I see. I see. So so that's why I didn't want to kind of like get in myself so deep in this yeah. because I knew that was not right. I knew that if I wasn't going to do it, I wanted to do it right. So for me, I said, okay, I, w- I will help you these two weeks and then, you know, you take it because I don't want it. Yeah. So the problem was that he never came back. Dang. He left you. Two weeks turned into two months. Then <laughs> turned into two years. <laughs> but you still didn't feel called yet. No. Mm. How long did you spend then where you were just kind of like volunteering? I was volunteer. I like, was I was volunteer and um if it was kind of like a process because I remember and many times I just want to leave it. Okay. I just want to say, you know what? This is not for me. And I I guess God was dealing with my with my pride if I say. God started dealing with with that for me. And then I remember um that's when you said the helper, I had one deacon. Mm. This deacon it was uh, Brother Daniel. He was so rough. He was like, you know, this huge guy, you know. And he knew that I had a problem. Mm. He knew that I was dealing with alcohol. So he used to come and say, hey, good to see you. You know, if you need help, you know, I'm here. So that's kind of like, you know, the way it went with myself. But when I felt the call, oh, and then later I um, I came with the youth service. And I remember um, I had this uh, this um, leader, and he said, you know, you want to come to the cell group? And I said, okay, I will go. And um, I, w- I went that week, and he invited me to a coffee, to the donut shop right here in El Camino Real. And what happened is that he... That was the first week I went to the cell group. And that night, you know what he said? Who? The, 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 the leader of the cell group. Daniel? No, it, it, it was, was someone else. Okay. It was someone else. No. That's, that's when I really, I can see that. You're that, talking about addressing when you felt called? The ministry. I see. That's when, when I kind of like the Lord was setting all the table to really. And then he said, you know what? Um, I'm not going to be the leader anymore. I said. I said, what? Like, so so why are you telling me this? I mean, this is my first week in the cell group. And he said, but I want you to take uh, to take uh, the cell group. I said, I'm sorry, excuse me? <laughs> like, what's going on? What's going on? And then yeah. he said, well, you know, just take it. Just take it uh, for, for a month. If you like it, good. If you don't like it, then we can find somebody else. And for me, it was like very important. And that's when you know what I what I did. 
back then they used to have a, a uh, library here, the Christian library in San Carlos. And next day I went and I bought myself a book about discipleship. Dang. And this was how many years in to you, like volunteering, doing the whole sound thing? I guess was in the first year. Okay, one year. One year, that, because you have to wow. start from something. And so you basically, to what I'm understanding is you were already in ministry, but you didn't feel called yet no. until kind of one year in. You were at the cellular. I kind of like it. Yeah, I test the water. The small group. Yeah, the small group. But one other thing is that, I don't know, something happened to me that I, I had that hunger for the word of God. I see. It, it was something that it, 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 I all, I, all I wanted to do is to love Jesus and to know about him. I see. That, that was my life. And I used to worry, uh, um, I will touch in another podcast about that, but that's the way I started. Now, when I felt the call of God was when I saw the results, when I was preaching, when I was teaching, people, people got blessed. People said, wow. And that's kind of like, and then later testimonies start coming and say, you know, brother, you know, you blessed me with your message. Brother, you prayed for me and, and God touched me. God blessed me. So it started for me like, hmm, what's going on here? And then, you know, the call started manifesting. And then people used to come to our church. You know, we are in a very Pentecostal church when the, you know, the prophets come and then when the pro <laughs> prophet is in the house. <laughs> that prophetic. That prophetic. And then, you know, God started using people to prophesy. One experience that happened to me that shook me, and I remember uh, we went um, with the uh, with the team. Hi, Carmen. We have Carmen joining oh, us. Oh, praise the Lord. Let us know if you have any questions. And uh, we went to um, Nebraska, okay? And we were in the in this hotel. We How were staying. So you were, at this point, you had already been having your cellula. I uh, was helping in the audio so department. So you were still doing audio had already been kind of with your little small group, discipleship, and then all of a sudden now you were in a conference. Yeah, and okay. the, the pastor went to do a, a like An a crusade. altar call? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, no, the you were traveling with your yes, main yes, pastor. Yes, I see. Yes, because th that time now the, the ministry started growing. Guess who just hopped in the chat? Ooh. Kevin, the one I was talking to you oh. about, remember? Look, yeah. this is Kevin. Give a, give a shout out to Kevin. Hey, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> God bless you, my brother. Yeah. Let <laughs> us know if you have any questions, yeah. Kevin. We're doing a Q&A, but continue. So uh, that time we were in the, in, the, uh, in the hotel, and this guy, this brother, the one that was coordinating the crusade, and uh, he came, and we were having uh, dinner after, after the, uh, it was the last night of the crusade. We had three-day crusade, and we were having dinner in the hotel, and uh, he was a prophet. Nobody knew that he had a prophetic ministry. So uh, he was from Guatemala. So we were having <laughs> this dinner. Guatemalan prophet. Yeah. We were having this dinner, and then I remember he left. Okay, He said, I have to go to sleep, and I will pick you up in the morning to take you to the airport. It was around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We were like 12 people. The pastor was there and the other brothers. So he walked out. Five minutes later, he came, and he said this. this. He said, the Lord just spoke to me. And we were kind of like, what? The Lord just spoke to me. 
And he got close to me. He put his hand in my shoulder and said, this, this young man right here, he has a call in his life. And I was like, the first time I heard somebody, and I was kind of like, and he said, we need to pray for him. We need to pray for him right now. And then he said, let's everybody put their hands over his head and shoulder, and they start praying for me. So you'd say that was like when you really felt like, okay, it's official. Yeah. To kind of like summarize your story, basically, it was this whole one year kind of process that you went Different to. events that happened. It. it was a process. It's just a process. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a crazy thing to hear. My story is a lot simpler, I guess you can say, than that. Obviously, now, you know, vocationally, I'm in ministry, you know, working. But prior to all of that, um, I grew up my whole life in ministry, you know, in this case, serving, being in that environment. That whole time that you mentioned of, you know, being in production with broadcast, I grew up in that environment. So I, my whole life served. Similar to you, though, where you were kind of just doing it to do it, not necessarily I say, I could say, oh, I felt so called. I felt like God told me, man, you're built to do this. I was doing it for fun. You know, like I was working in the cameras, in the, you know, in the department. You helping. were enjoying pretty much what yeah, it was were fun. Doing. Because keep in mind, I, I'm, I was a little kid. I was eight. You know, nine years old, getting to operate these, you know, really this huge camera, remember? which at the time was like cutting edge technology. Yes. You yes. know, so like I wasn't doing it because I felt, quote unquote, oh, I'm called to ministry. I was doing it because it was cool. Kind of how your story. I like audio. Me gustan las bocinas. I like Would sound. you say that just going to go and help my dad instead of staying home? No, because it was interesting because I never really, whenever I was in that context, it was always like Pastor Robert, you know. Okay, so okay. it was like more, I liked it because I got to hang out with people, my friends at the time. You know, I had other young people serving in ministry with me. So that's where I could say it was like kind of like the cool thing to do or the fun thing to do. I like doing it. I'm not going to sit here and say like I, I just doing it to do it. I wanted to learn. I wanted to get better at the craft of cameras but I, I was just doing it for fun. You know, I, I didn't really care about it too much. And same thing, you know, I continued on doing what, whatever normal kids would do. And then I was in high school and I was still serving. You know, I was still helping going to the, you know, with the cameras and doing all that sort of stuff. But I kind of just disconnected from all of it. I guess you could say like unplugged. From, it just wasn't as engaging anymore for me. I was more interested in other things. And sort of along that time period, also, like, I just, not that I just stopped serving in the camera ministry. I just stopped attending church altogether. So it's like the calling for ministry you lost was way gone. Yeah, like not even, it wasn't even in the back of my brain. wasn't definitely not at the front of my brain. I was just living, chilling, existing. But then eventually... Um, I went on like not a missions trip because it, it wasn't through the church. It was just like a like study abroad type program, travel internationally. I went to I got the opportunity to travel to Paraguay uh, through Amigos de las Americas. Super, super. I love that program. Shout out anybody from the Amigos fam who might be listening. But it was a cool opportunity because I got to spend eight weeks in Paraguay. 
And I was there eight weeks. This was when I was, uh, I had just finished junior year and was, no, I had just finished sophomore year and was entering into my junior year. That was the transitional period. So I was 16, 17 at the time. And I remember being in Paraguay and it, it was like a whole other environment. It was crazy, you know, like my life up to that point, I had been walking a certain path that wasn't leading me anywhere closer to God necessarily per se. But essentially one night I found myself just like laying, not laying in the middle of a field, but we were like outside. It was nice. And I was just looking at the stars and I genuinely like it was beautiful. Like everything looked so great. The moon was out. But for some reason, I just I didn't feel happy. Like I felt sad or like like a depression almost. And I was really confused because I was like, the heck? Like this is supposed to be a great experience, yeah. a beautiful time. And don't get me wrong, like I wasn't like that. For, but in that moment, I kind of felt like, man, in all of this, all these stars, all this beauty, I feel alone. And that feeling stuck with me. Like I, I kind of just brushed it off, kept doing it. Um, had a great time in Paraguay, had a lot of fun. And I came back and I just kept kind of living the same lifestyle that I had been living before. There was really no change, but I had been a change for the negative because my emotions started to get a lot deeper, a lot stronger. So those feelings of sadness, depression kind of like lingered with me from that moment. And it wasn't until literally one night I was just you know, I was still going through these mental battles and struggling with a lot of different things, um, you know, at that point. But I just decided to say the following statement. You know what? I know that there's church. It was a Saturday. And at the times on Saturdays, we had youth services. And so I was like, you know what? It's kind of how you said, like, I saw the young people. I felt like I wanted to hang out. I did the same thing. I was like, you know what? Let me let me go see what's up with these young people. So I got ready, went. And at the time, I um, I used to drive my older brother's car. So I asked to borrow his car, took myself to, to youth service. And there was only six people at that youth service besides me. So a total of seven mm-hmm. people. That was, on, that was on Saturday, On right? a Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So this is Saturday, 7 p.m. I walk into a building. Me and my brain, I'm like, I have nothing else to try. Like, I've tried everything else. I've tried the drugs. I've tried the alcohol. I've tried the partying. I've tried the sex, whatever. I've heard about this my whole life. Now let me give it a shot for myself. Because before that, it had just been, I'm going to just go because my dad or my parents or whatever. It was never really personal to me. But at that point, I needed something. You know, I was so broken that I needed something. And in that room with seven other people, I had an encounter as strong as any other encounter I've ever had, you know, with the true source of everything that I had been looking for. Happiness, fulfillment, peace. It took away that depression, took away that anxiety, took away that loneliness that I had been feeling, that main of like, man, I feel so alone. There's no one who like, you know, got rid of that in an instant. And it confused me. I was like, hmm, is this really all it took? But like you said, you kind of have that first encounter, that like first love, and you just spend so much time like 
in love or like in that first love. Trying to hold it, not lose it. You stay holding on, trying to lose it. So I asked, what else can I do? Like, I like this, but I'm not the type of person that just likes to come and receive and enjoy. Like, I wanted to do stuff because my whole life I had known that there was this thing called ministry because I had seen the evidence of it firsthand. In some instances, I had participated in those ministries, but I had never really identified with it until this point now. And so what did I end up doing? I genuinely felt like, you know what, with these seven people, I want to grow it. I want to help these people, this team of people here specifically to become something because I love what I'm feeling right now and I love the environment that we created. That's where you, I could say I felt called to give, called to react, called to say, you know what, let's, let's get this going. Let's push it somewhere in some direction. What specifically was that direction? At the time that night, the worship leader or worship leader at the time, the way he led worship was with an electric guitar, an amplifier. He rolled it down off the stage, and we were just like in this small little circle. That was it. And the song that he played was How He Loves Us, one of the most basic four-chord songs in the whole world. But it hit. And I, I and I became so like enamored with this concept, or like I became like, I fell in love with this concept of worship or that environment of worship, what it meant to be in worship because that's where I experienced my breakthrough. And so that desire to grow and to be in, like help that guy specifically, that was kind of what mm. was birthed in me. Wow. So I, I I became really connected to to the worship leader. So that's that's when you pretty much you felt the supporter. Yes. To be a supporter. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know else. I didn't know how to play any instruments like yeah, extremely because, because we don't I mean, we're My not family, musicians. Our family is not musicians. Yeah, the no. only encounter that I had had with musicianship up to that time was my cousins from El Salvador. Mm. Don't you remember? We went, when we went to El Salvador as a family, I bought a guitar yeah, I remember. over there. And I still have that guitar. It was a nylon string guitar. And I was 14 years old. And mind you, this is that, uh, in, that time in my life when I went to El Salvador was... I was so innocent at that time. Like, I was still doing the cameras. I was still doing, like, I really loved that aspect of, like, church. So with my cousins, they were all worship leaders from in El Salvador. Yes, and yes. They're no longer worship leaders, but at the time, you know, you would always talk about them. Everyone would be like, man, they're the best. They're so good. And to a certain, now in in hindsight, when I'm looking at it, I'd say the only one that was actually good was probably Kevin. Oh. <laughs> I got to be honest. Like, at least in terms of a talent. Yes, yes. Kevin has a tal is talented in music. The other ones were just, they were okay. Don't get me wrong. They knew. They taught me a lot. But the one who really took the time to kind of, like, motivate me or who I felt like, dang, I kind of want to be like this person because they were older than me was yeah. Kevin because he was already kind of, like, Paving he, the way. he was doing it. He now. was being a worship yeah, leader. So he taught me my first four chords. And then from there, I came back to the to the U.S. And I never picked up the guitar again after that summer. Wow. Never. And we purchased that guitar. Yeah. We bought it. It was expensive. Or I'm assuming it was expensive enough at the time. But like we made the whole hassle of carrying it from El Salvador yes, just to bring yes, it yes. back. We could have left it in El Salvador. But... That guitar, eventually, when I 
when I got connected with that with the worship leader, uh-huh. that's the guitar that I actually learned on. Wow. So I took it with me to the dorms and I had it with me for the first like eight months that I was learning guitar. And this, mind you, this is like a giant classical nylon. So the strings are just really, really sensitive. And the, the fretboard is super, super thick. Not an acoustic guitar. It's a classical nylon guitar. And I'm over here trying to play like, uh, Eres mi amigo fiel, or whatever, you know, just yeah. like upbeat <laughs> songs. And so the way that it worked at the time is that that's kind of what led me to, to be called. Is that like, I was like, okay, I like this aspect of it but i don't know anything about it so i'm gonna just come next to this guy who plays guitar and i'm gonna learn guitar and that's what i did who was that guy that was christian miranda yeah christian Christian. yeah he's not he's no longer there active in in ministry but shout out christian if wherever you are i don't know if he's He's in sacramento yeah i know that's what i'm saying but he we're not connected anymore. Oh, yeah, 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 he's yeah, a, yeah. He's a lot older yeah, than yeah. I was. So, like, to me, he served as a big role model. Mm. So I'm really grateful for... Yeah, yeah, Christian. Yeah. The thing about Christian, though, is it's kind of crazy because when I came in, remember, like, my desire was to grow the ministry. So I was kind of, like, pushing him, pushing yeah. him, being like, hey, let's do this, let's do that. Hey, what does it take for me to play with you? And he told me, well, you need to practice. And so what I did is I practice 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 and then eventually he invited me one day to come and play with him and i borrowed uh hermano chema's guitar to play like i remember hermano chema shout out hermano chema he's been a big 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 part in this whole music process for me as a worship leader so yo empecé con una guitarra prestada because i didn't have a guitar that we could plug into our church and it could hear it in the system. In the PA system. In the yeah. PA system. I just had my little nylon. So I went up to the brother who was like the worship leader for the adults at the time. And I asked him, because I knew he would always leave his guitar. And I was like, hey, hermano, is, like, I would ask him, hey, is it possible? Like, I'll do whatever. I'll take care of it. Like, if I break the strings, I'll buy new strings. And so he let me borrow it. And that guitar, the guitar that I started ministering with was that Yamaha, it, you know how the things that hold the strings at the bottom, like those little, they're called like nuts. Uh This one was missing a nut. Mm. He was holding it together with like a stick, like a stick from outside. Que se lo había metido to hold the the string in place. This was like a low, low quality guitar, but hey, it's the one that he would use. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to use it too. And that's how I started for months practicing and just just wanting to i would only play acoustic mm-hmm. like nothing else now we know that that's why you identify you like david pretty much yeah that's kind of like you really <laughs> <laughs> i mean david that's the way he started i guess just playing He's playing the string yeah acoustic that that was when i'd say when you know to answer the question when did you first feel yeah. called that's when I first felt called to grow that team, to be like, I'm going to come alongside him. And what does it mean to become a worship team? That's kind of what I felt in my heart. Mm. And so like we came alongside him and you know the story. Yeah. We grew from literally six people that night to eventually at one point we held a conference for over 100 youth, you know, and it was really powerful to see the whole team grow from me and Christian to then adding in Dylan, adding in Brian, adding in Anel. At the time, 
like mucha gente started peaking yeah. like Natalia, Bella. Yeah, they yeah kept, I remember. You know, they were going through transitions, but like at the point where I came in, it was really low because it was just Christian by yeah. himself. And so we kind of regrew from scratch. And the whole time I just stayed to, hey, I, I can help you, but I can only help with the acoustic guitar. Like I didn't sing. I didn't do anything else because I didn't think... I didn't know what being called was. I just knew that feeling to help. So, you know, that that's for those of us listening. <laughs> could be two different things. It, it might be that you got entrusted with the whole ministry. Y te lo tiraron en la mano. That might be you. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, um, we haven't uh, talked about... This is this is live, huh? Yeah, this is improv. We, we, yeah. we haven't even uh, uh, um, come in a core. Would you going to say this? No. But it, it, it it's very interesting what happened. We got Ricky, our cousin. <laughs> hey, Ricky, what's going on? I'm waiting for my cola champagne. Eh? Come on, Ricky, what's up? <laughs> that was that. Wow, that that's 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 a huge. You know what? Because uh, that day when I went to to the uh, conference, the praise and worship conference, this guy was uh, singing with the guitar, mm. and he was singing that song. That song this Destroy me totally. Wow. It, it was like... Do you was, remember what song? Oh, yes, yes. And, and, In and, Espanol, what song? Um, it was about the love of God. It was about the love of God. Mm. And it, it, it talks about um, that he loved us. And I remember that I went... It was during lunchtime. Because I, I a friend of mine gave me a ticket. Okay, it was somebody somebody that was trying to go out with it, mm. and and she said, you know, go to this conference because it's going to help so you a lot. So this was a girl that you liked. Yes, <laughs> yes. So she gave me the ticket to go to the conference. Okay, she knew I had a problem. That's what she said. Go to the conference; mm. they're going to help you. And and I said, you know, I'm going to go during lunchtime. So when she asked me, did you go? I said, yes, this, the, the building looks like this, like that. So I, when I got there, I went during lunchtime and I entered into the back room. So this guy was singing up front. He was, he was getting ready. He was rehearsing yeah. for the afternoon part. So I, I sat down in the back and he was, he was rehearsing. And then he started, you know, singing about the love of God. Right there. I can tell you like it was yesterday. That's when I felt the love of God. And I was start crying, crying, crying. I couldn't hold it. And I got up and I went up to him and I said, you know, can you explain me what is happening with me? Wow. And he said, eh, why? I don't know. When I just, I start crying. I cannot stop it. And he says, you know what he said to me? Um... Uh, are, are you a Christian? I said, I don't want to be a Christian, but something's happening. And then uh, he said, uh, so what do you want? Well, can you explain me why I'm crying? Because mm. every time you sing, I, I cannot hold it. And that was my first experience. And yeah. he said, you know what? Uh, are you going to stay in the afternoon uh, session? I said, uh, no, because I have to go. And he said this to me, just stay I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the first one that is gonna lead the, the the afternoon session and I'm gonna start you know uh, singing the song so you can hear the whole song with mm. the with the with the with the with, band with the band yeah. you know with everything because he was just there with the guitar yes so 
it was like almost what uh 60 60 to 80 you know people that, that was in that conference so it you was, went after work it was yeah it was a friday afternoon okay. so i i went back i sat down and you know all the all these young men they start you know filling the place and right there he started he started singing and when he started singing with the whole band i was gone wow I was in the back and I started crying, crying, crying. I, I couldn't hold it. I said, what's going on with me? So he came straight to me and said, he asked me this question, are you, are you a man? He said this to me. I said, are you a man? And in, in, in the inside of me, I said, what this guy is asking me? If I'm a man. He said, I am a man. Yeah. What do you think? He said, because if you are a man, you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible said that los violentos, solo los violentos arrebatan el reino de los cielos. Mm. Only the violent take the kingdom of the God. The aggressors, back. yeah. Yes. And he turned his back and he started walking. As he started walking, he did the altar call right there. Wow. Right there. He did the altar call right there. Who was this? Which worship leader? It was uh, um, um, Ruben Buitrago. Wow. It's a Ruben Buitrago. That's powerful. And then um, I remember he was he was doing the altar call. He was the worship leader, not even the, the pastor. He was the worship leader in the uh, conference. He was going to... Uh, nice. uh, so he said right there. Right there. He didn't wait to preach. He just said, somebody need to receive Jesus right now. We're not going to wait. It is an urgency. And, and, and then that's what happened. It's over. Yeah. After 20... Seven years, I'm here, and I'm loving Jesus. As this, crazy. As the first day. That was the first day. <laughs> crazy. Similar encounters, you know. That could just be, you know, you might already be in ministry right now. Whoever's listening, a lot of people that are listening are most likely in ministry. So it's like, whatever that might have been for you, maybe you remember your first love, your first story, and maybe this story reminds you of your first love. Take some time. Remember what it was like when you first signed up to serve or when you first even had your encounter with God. Because like as we shared, my encounter was in a room with six people. Wow. You know, yours was in a room with 80 or mm -hmm. actually in a room with two during a lunch. Yes. You know, so it's like there's no the, the distance or the depth that God will go to reach you. Anywhere. 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 He'll meet you right where you're at. And that's beautiful. Yes. You know? So that's like why I think these stories, a lot of times um, in, in like Christian or like church world, I never understood why they did lo de los testimonios. Mm. Me personally. Okay. I'd always be like, because I was in cameras. So like we'd have to sit there for like the service would end. And then for like hours, maybe one hour after or 30 minutes, like the pastor would just sit there talking to people. Hey, what's your testimony? Hey, what's your testimony? But now I realize that what the testimony does is someone said this one time in a preaching. They said, testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Mm. Because what testimony allows people to do is it grows their faith. Yes. Because by hearing other people and then they get in strengthened in it, then it allows for something to be born within them to where now the testimony, they can prophesy it and it becomes a testimony. It's like wow. a pattern. Yes. You know? Wow. So, this Q&A was really just to share, give you guys some insight on uh, your hosts, on your people that are constantly... I like it. 
I like him. We're going to keep doing them at the, I remember the concept I told you at the, F, after every 10 episodes, okay. we're going to do one Q&A. So that's kind of the flow, the structure that we're going to give to our scheduling. So you guys can expect Q&A number two. Make sure you load up your questions for yes, next definitely. time. If there was anything that you wanted to ask, if there's anything that you felt like, hey man, I want to be on the podcast, then you know, we have an opportunity coming up. But that's all for us this week. Thanks to everyone who hopped on the live with us. We had Pastor Gene. We had God a bunch of, bunch of our friends. Kevin, I'm going to give another shout out to Kevin. I know he'll he'll appreciate this. My boy Kevin over there at Echo. I love you, bro. You're God bless you, Kevin. Stay wavy, Kevin. And as we say to Kevin, stay wavy. We say that to all of y'all too. Mantente en la ola. Manténganse en la ola. I hope Kevin can learn that in Spanish. I'll teach him. He needs to teach us how to say that in Tagalog. Because right. he's, he's Filipino. Wow, that's good. Yeah, so we hope you guys have a blessed week. And yeah, as always, keep connected with us. Let us know if you need anything. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Amen, yes, and definitely. pray for each other. Be friends, be kind. And as always, stay wavy. Mantente en la hora. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.